and welcome to Women in Confidence with Vanessa Murphy, the podcast that discusses all things to do with confidence at work. This is a podcast for women who want to know more about where their confidence supports them and where it can let them down in their careers. I'm your host, Vanessa Murphy, confidence coach, HR expert and podcaster. Every fortnight, this podcast will introduce you to women who have interesting stories to tell around confidence. Through their stories, you will realise that even women who appear to have it all have had confidence wobbles. But by listening to them, you will take away what they do to remain top of the confidence game. Okay, I know that I originally said I would release a new episode of Women in Confidence every fortnight. But I have so many great guests to share with you that I've decided to mix things up this week. And so here is a special release for you, and it's a good one. It is my pleasure to have Lisa Jane on the show today. Lisa Jane is an educator, speaker, and author of The Emotionally Powerful Mother. She spent the last 20 years developing her expertise in the emotional world. Through her own personal relationships as a mum of four, as a teacher, and as a mentor in her private practice. A dedicated trailblazer in the field of emotion education, Lisa dreams of building a new culture of relationships between mothers and their teenage daughters. Through her work, she demonstrates how to find emotional fulfillment and live an authentic, deeply connected life. So hello, Lisa, and many um, thanks for joining the Women in Confidence podcast. How How are you? I'm sensational today, Vanessa. Thanks so much for having me. No, you're welcome. I'm I'm super excited because there's many, many things that we're going to talk about today um, and share with our audience, which is wonderful. So I like to start and ask my guests to finish my sentence. So finish this one, Lisa. Confidence is? Knowing myself so well, I don't need to think about confidence. Okay, lovely. And, and how well do you think you know yourself? There's always more to know. <laughs> It's like this infinite being. I think that the emotions, when I understand my emotions, I've actually found that that has just been so key to me, knowing how I turn up, knowing how to turn up, knowing where not to turn up. (laughs) Um, Yeah, so really key. So I I think I've got a pretty good understanding of myself emotionally, but there's always more. And I noticed on your uh, website, you call yourself the world's best knowledge gatherer. And is that gathering knowledge about yourself or just the world generally? I've always been a researcher. So I've always been, well, I used to be, maybe not so much anymore because something definitely shifted in me as I understood myself more. But for for me, whenever I wanted to learn about something or I wanted to know something, I would just go and research it and do it. And I had a friend that used to laugh at me because I would say, oh, I'm really scared about doing this. She goes, what are you talking about? I know you, you'll just go research and you'll do it. And I used to laugh as a teacher because they used to say, you teach what you need to learn about. And I did discover that the more I actually researched and then told other people, the more I learned about that subject myself. So my thing was gathering all this information because I had this real natural curiosity. I, I really want to understand things. And I look when something comes up, I like continually seek to learn more about it. But what I've discovered is the more I learn about me and who I am emotionally, like my true self, the less I'm searching for something to fill a need and the more I just have a natural curiosity because I think it's our journey as a human being 
is, is seeking is really normal, right? Because that's the expansion of ourselves. That's us growing into a, a more expanded version of ourselves all the time. However, when I understand myself emotionally and who I am, I'm not trying to search for things to plug up holes or to make me feel better or to meet a need. I'm seeking because I'm naturally curious and I want to grow and I want to find out more about certain things. So I'd really like to delineate that. Um, and so I am not so much this seeker of avid knowledge because I'm not looking to fill my head anymore with more information. What I want to do now is to have a better life experience, which is a feeling experience. And do you feel that you are having a really good life experience at the moment? Oh, wow. That's, that's actually a really big question because I think what I've discovered is the more I can work with what I'm feeling every day, the more I can come into a state of emotional empowerment, which naturally makes my life this emerging process. And I talk a lot about this emerging process because when we can become part of the emerging process, we're not experiencing repetitive cycles. And I'm sure that you know, many of you will understand what it feels like to have a repetitive cycle. It might just be in a relationship, like it's that friction point that there might be different events, but it all generates this same feeling. And it's like this repetitive cycle with your children. It's the same. There's this repetitive cycle and generally you're left with a feeling of powerlessness. Different events, same feeling. So the more I get into the emerging process, the less I have repetitive cycles. I use them to learn more about myself and I move on and I expand and I grow which is very, very satisfying. And the repetitive cycles, um, just bring it back to confidence and particularly confidence in women. How can you apply the repetitive cycles to confidence or lack of confidence? Mm, they definitely undermine confidence. So um, I can use a great example of myself in my first relationship. I had uh, a relationship that was based on a faulty dynamic and I say that because it's actually a dynamic that many of us are in without really seeing it because it's what we're programmed to live through. Um, it's on our movies. It's on our television shows. It's a victim, persecutor, rescuer sort of dynamic. So whilever my foundations are based on this being in a relationship to meet my own emotional needs, which is what I was because I didn't understand how to meet my own needs, so I consistently needed my partner to feel loved and secure. And so I was always doing things to get that to happen. Like I needed him to be there for that, which meant that I was people pleasing or feeling obliged to do certain things, or I would be rescuing him. Um, and those behaviors, they're not bad because they're often the way we're raised. What I discovered though, is there's a completely different way to be in relationship. So what happened to me in that dynamic of relationship, which is common because we actually aren't taught about our emotional world, so we set up these strategies and behaviours, which is normal, but what happens is over time, because we're consistently not getting our emotional needs met by a person or because they have to be a certain way in order for us to feel okay and we have to be a certain way in order for them to be okay, that actually chips away at our self-esteem. I found that I was abandoning myself and my truth and, and all of who I was at times to keep that person happy or to stay in that relationship or to make things right or to keep the peace. And every time I did that, every time I walked away from myself, 
I didn't know, but it was affecting my confidence. So while I was this incredibly empowered businesswoman and I could go out into the world and I had great success with business and I had 12, 12 staff and we had a great relationship, when I went home, and this is often the case with a lot of women I work with, it's the same. These, you know, we are, women are so incredible. Like every time I meet a woman, I hear this incredible tapestry of the past, all these amazing things that we've done, you know, and we are so good at that. And yet often we go home and we just can't figure out how to get our relationships right. We know how capable we are. And yet why can't we get out of these repetitive cycles? And that feeling of powerlessness and helplessness and ineptness, that not good enough, I can't get this to work, which was like so much my story for so long, that was chipping away at how I felt about myself. And so I was second-guessing myself. I had a lot of self-doubt. And when I went out into the world, I could put on this confident demeanour, but there was always this little thing, you know, when I went back home into my relationships. So for me, there's, that's a really big key to confidence. It's like I need to be able to stand in my truth. I need to be captain of my ship. I need to be like true to myself first and foremost in a loving and kind way and to be able to speak my truth in order for me to feel confident in every area. And sometimes that is challenging because we are programmed to filter that. As a woman, I've noticed I can have a prompt, a feeling prompt to say something and then I go, oh, no, I can't say that because that will hurt their feelings or, oh, no, I can't say that because they might think blah, 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 or, you know, and like we're, sometimes we're not even aware of this unconscious thing that happens to us where we suppress our natural thoughts, feelings, words and actions in that moment. And also we're not given the words, right? We don't know how to express our feelings often without a little bit of blame underneath it or a little bit of persecution or without the other person taking it personally. I had to actually learn words to use and phrases to say to express myself so that I wasn't actually attacking or blaming or resentful, like all of that stuff I had to deal with and I had to learn this way of communicating which created more connection rather than more division. And so now you help people understand their emotions and get that language. Is that correct? That's one of the things I do, yes. Mm. Um, I like to think of the way I work. A lot of people talk about emotional intelligence, um, that EQ, and, and, like, I love that. However, what I feel, and, look, I could be, I could be wrong, but I don't think I am, what I feel is that there's actually more because we're still talking about a head concept of the emotions. Logically, if you think about it, a feeling is not a thinking. A feeling is a feeling. So in order for me to understand my emotional world, I have to have a feeling understanding of my feelings. And so I teach, this is what I teach. It's like, how do I, how do I do that? How do I get into my emotional world without involving this analysis? which is what we all do, like, you know, like, why am I feeling like that? I shouldn't be feeling like that. Like our head, I'm going to look up some more research. I'm going to figure out what that means. But it's like, yeah, we can do all that. But unless we actually understand our feeling world from the place of a feeling experience, it's very hard for us to move through some of those repetitive cycles. And so while things like even mindset, having a great mindset, like it's powerful, it's helpful. 
but you're often doing that all the time when these feeling responses come up, wouldn't it just be better to get to the core of it and like understand the, the be in the feeling world, understand it from a feeling level and actually resolve that from the level of feeling so that you don't have to effort your mindset to get you into a state. You're just naturally in a state of your pure being. And that is such an easier place to live. I'm really glad you said emotions are not a thought, they're a feeling. Because whenever I describe confidence, I come at it from I know when I feel confident and I know when I feel less confident or I feel like I have no confidence. And so I'm really glad you said that because there'll be many women listening who go, well, actually, I don't think in a confident way. Mm. I feel confident and that radiates. And that's it's great that you said that because what I'd love to invite you to think about when I feel my most confident is when I'm really standing in my true self. When I'm when I'm standing in this state, it's a state of being, right? It's a feeling state of being. Now, when I'm not feeling that, I know that I've stepped away from my true self, that state of being. Now, rather than me trying to effort to get back into that state of being. What I've learned to do is to go, oh, what is it that I'm feeling that's getting in the way of me stepping into my true self? So the work that I do, it's not so much about um, moving into this place. It's more about what's in the way. Let's use what's in the way to feel more of that amazing feeling state. So Marcus Aurelius said, the obstacle in your way is the way, which is exactly how I work. So a lot of people are trying to all the time get to a place, get to a place, get to a place. And I'm like, yeah, but what's it, what's stopping you from getting into that place? Let's look at that. And if we look at that, you'll find that you naturally come into the place you want to be in and you'll feel more empowered and you'll feel more healed and you'll feel more confident because you've dealt with what's in the way, in a really effective way, in a deliberate way, in a conscious way. And what was the process you went through personally to really understand your true self and and to shine a light on yourself? And how long did that take? (laughs) Wow. Okay. Um, You know, I could talk forever about that because like most people and especially women, I think there are so many little things on our journey that have like added this puzzle piece. And it's like we're this trillion piece puzzle and we have a few pieces and sometimes we go, I know it, I'm here, I'm there. And then all of a sudden you're like, oh, hang on a minute, I'm missing another puzzle piece, right? And that seems to be what it was like. But I think I've always really felt this connection with this presence, divine presence, inner inner presence, inner self, whatever you want to call it. There's always been something more that I've just sort of seen in my life. I've seen it turn up. And even as a 15, 16-year-old, like I was the kid that everyone would come to and tell their problems and um, I got married really young, not consciously, right? It was my little girl that went into that relationship and and one day I woke up and just went, what am I doing here, you know? And that was definitely the start of things at 37 after I'd had three kids, had a business, I had everything that I wanted, this great big house and all the things that I'd put into my being of this is where I want to be. And at 37, I had this experience, which was very much like um, it could have been an awakening, if you want to call that. It could have been an emotional awakening. It was where 
I just, one day I just was in this situation. I was actually doing a breathwork session in a workshop and what I realised was that I had this feeling in my heart and I was just like, what is this feeling? Like, what is this feeling? And I went, oh, my gosh, this is like pure love. And it was a love like I'd never felt before, which I thought was really interesting because I had a husband and I had three kids who I loved very much and yet this love had a purity to it which wasn't based on any conditions or anything. It just was. It was just this incredible, um, and it was coming from my heart. Like I could just feel this. And, and like I actually think this was the activation of my heart. We talk a lot about heart, and that's another conversation for another day because I don't think we fully understand what that actually is. And from that moment, I went back and I just went, all of a sudden I could see how I hadn't loved my husband for years. I could see how I didn't belong there and I could see how I needed to leave. And I told him and I had to tell him two nights because he was an alcoholic and and just there was a lot of unhealthy stuff. But anyway, within two weeks I left because I just knew that I had to go and it was very sudden. I couldn't explain it. Everyone thought I'd gone crazy, but I just knew. And that knowing, and I'm sure that, you know, I'd love to say that almost every, every one of you has probably at one time in your life at least felt something in your heart, which is just this or your gut, this knowing, and you can't explain it. People go, well, why? I don't understand. I'm like, I can't tell you. I just know I have to do this. And then for the next 15 years, I learned, I ended up meeting a man and, I, and he was very emotionally aware. There were other things going on with him that I didn't know about, but he was very emotionally aware. And I learned a lot about my emotional world. He actually freed me from a lot of the codependent patterns that I had. And then when and he ended that relationship, I actually thought we were going to live forever because we had this very trusting, I thought, free. I'm, so, I'm alluding to some hidden secret here and you're going, what happened? This is so juicy. And that's exactly what happened. Um, and at the end of it, which was like, because he would tell me every day how much he loved me, how beautiful I was. And, and, and the way we set up that relationship is everything's on the table. You're as sick as your secrets. We talk about everything. We learn the tools to communicate, which is like, we even wrote this book on right relationship, which is so ironic. Um, and I've taken that off the market, right? Because I just couldn't go. Yeah, we had one of those. <laughs> um, But what in the end happened was he created this relationship with a young girl that was in our household um, tutoring my daughter and I found out about it very suddenly and all of a sudden my world just totally collapsed, like all these thoughts and beliefs about what I thought we were wasn't and I spent three days, um, and this is such a pivotal point for me, I spent three days on my bed and if anyone's ever been in this situation, I'm sure there's many of you that have, where everything you believe in has been taken from you and you feel like you're looking at this blank canvas and you have no reason to go on. And even though I had a 14-year-old daughter at the time, um, which was a daughter from him, I I just wanted to end it all because I couldn't see any point in going on. Like my dreams were so enwrapped in his and, and I just, it was horrible. And I understood myself enough emotionally to allow the feeling to move through my body. So what I began to see was how there were waves of emotion running through my body, of grief and of loss. And these waves of emotion were very 
um, it was almost like I was experiencing because my father had had a, an affair for six years. Like I love the way things repeat. My father had had an affair for six years on my, with my mother and there was almost no difference between me and my mum. Like as I was feeling this, I was like, oh, wow, I was experiencing it all from my mum's perspective as well, like which was very intriguing to me. So there was always this part of me watching myself, watching these waves of emotion. And what I noticed was, when I put a thought to the feeling like, oh, my God, how could they have done that to me? How disrespectful, how unkind, and all I did was support them. How could they do that? What's going to happen to me? When I added the thought to the feeling, I created so much suffering for myself. And I realised that if I could allow the feeling, in those three days I got to the point where I thought, I've just got to allow this feeling to just move through my body. And on about the second day, I started to ring people and I started to say, do you know, do you know what I can do? Can you help me? And, and I spoke to people. One woman said, learn the prayer of St. Francis of Assisi or learn a hymn or learn something. Keep your mind busy so that you're not thinking, so that you can just be with that moment. Um, I had friends that said, just ring me when it gets too bad, just ring me. And like one of my beautiful friends had a, like a two-month-old baby and for her to offer that, like you know how often we're up at night, you know, we're bloody exhausted. You don't want a friend ringing you at three. But she offered that and and I utilised that, not, not too badly, like I was aware of that. But she was there for me and I had another friend and I just, I rang them. I must have rung them both like 10 times a day and all I had to do was just unload they didn't buy into my story they didn't go oh you poor thing they're just like yeah yeah you know they heard me then all of a sudden I felt a release I could go on for a bit longer and so I did that for three days and at the end of the third day maybe the fourth I can't quite remember I was just like you know what I'll be done if I'm going to suffer anymore I know that I'm going to feel pain but I will not suffer and one of my friends gave me this Jungian process which it starts in the drama and the story and like I was in there feeling all this stuff and you express it all. And then I moved to this place where I was like, you know what, I can't do anything about this. I've got to accept it. I don't condone it. I don't like it. I don't respect it. But I accept that this has happened and I came to this place of acceptance. And then all of a sudden it was like, oh, my gosh, I moved again from acceptance into this is the best thing that's ever happened to me. And honestly, that was like day four, maybe. And I don't, I know that sounds like absolutely amazing to go from this like state of where I was to that this is the best thing. But it was like in that moment, I saw so clearly how I had been following his mothership. You know, I, I wasn't at the helm of my, my own ship. And it was like when I saw the power that I could step into from the ending of that relationship, I just went, this is the best thing that's ever happened. And I felt this incredible wave of empowerment in my body. And I would have to say that pivotal moment is one thing that really made me see that we all have this. We all have this inner being that we walk away from to get our emotional needs met because we, we haven't been taught how to meet those needs ourselves. We haven't been, we've had no emotion education, um, essentially, you know, most of us haven't anyway. So when I saw that, I thought, wow, you know, we could all access this state of being where we're on our own mothership. And it doesn't mean we don't have these incredibly caring, supportive relationships, but we're sailing side by side. You know, we're not actually um, hooked onto each other's ships, if it, that's a good analogy, mm. you know. And that to me was like 
from that point on, I'm like, okay, I want to teach this to women. And then I went, oh, what if I prevented it? What if I actually started teaching this to young girls as they moved into their teenage? Because that's when they move away from looking to the parent for emotional regulation. And that's when they have to learn self-emotional regulation. But it's where they're not taught that, right? So girls move away from the parent as the emotional regulator. And then what they do is they look for somebody else to help them regulate their emotions. And then they get into trouble because they are constantly looking for things or people to do that for them, which makes them vulnerable to really dysfunctional relationships and it makes them vulnerable to a dissatisfied life. So if I can get in there and intervene and say, hey, here are the tools, you can do this for yourself so that when you get into a relationship, it can be really healthy and supportive and connected and you can grow together. And so I thought, okay, I want to go back and teach this to girls. And then I thought, well, I can't really talk directly to girls because they're not the ones that would sign up or pay the bills. But if I worked with the mums to start with and I gave mums the tools to do this, then the girls would be seeing the mothers in this really empowered state and they would be feeling the cohesion because as a mother we we have this thing that we forget about. And it's like this unseen connection to our child. They they grew up from a baby. They were looking at our eyes, hearing our voice, being in our presence, and our very presence made that child feel supported and loved and safe. Now, we still have that capacity to do that. However, we don't use that. That is our power as a mother to influence our daughters when they're going wayward. We have this unseen connection, this thread if you like and when I can actually activate that in my relationship with my daughter we come into a cohesion which makes it a lot easier for me to work through any challenges that come up in a way that we feel more connected and in a way that she grows and I grow as well so it's almost like I have to change my role I think as my daughter comes out into that emerges into her own teenagehood and adulthood so That's where I've ended right now and um, I'm really excited about it because I just see so much beauty in it, especially when the world outside is not really showing our daughters a lot of beauty. You know, there's a lot of beauty on social media, like real beauty. So it's like, hey, if we can remind our daughters of their inner beauty and that's where their true power is and their true confidence, you know, it's really so amazing, such a gift we've got happening such an opportunity. So thank you for sharing that that journey and and also for being so honest that it wasn't easy. I think people assume that women in, who are successful have a very easy journey and, and often it isn't. It's a lot of self-discovery, quite a lot of pain. Um, and so thank you for your honesty in that. I just want to go back to your three or four days where actually you felt empty. Um, you know, you said your whole world had had literally just been sort of ripped out from you. And, and three or four days doesn't actually sound like a very long time. And I, I don't mean to be flippant about that or mm. to, to reduce what you went through, but some of the clients I come, I speak to are in pain for weeks, months, mm. and that could be just a separation, a divorce, a death, but it could also just be a really toxic environment at work. Mm. So how somebody who's in that, really that space where it's negative and they're using lots of negative emotions how can they flip that so it isn't 
weeks. It is mm-hmm. three or four days. Mm-hmm. Okay. It's scary being in that pain, right? And I think the thing is that our mind will tell us that we're never going to get out of it and that's what freaks us out. And so we're resisting it or we're fighting it on some level. And that makes a lot of sense. But I think for me it was about this incredible determination to use what was happening to me to fully know myself in this lifetime. And I actually remember saying that to myself. It's like, you know what? I'm going to use this. I'm going to use this to know myself. I'm going to use this to come into my full power as a sovereign being in this place in my life right now. And it was my determination to do that, to see it as an opportunity, to make it work for me. And at the same time, be validating my feelings. Like I I had to be able to allow it. I had to be able to see this emotion as um, a wave of energy just moving through my body and and not be frightened of it, not be, and I'm not saying I was perfect at it because there were times where I'm just like, oh, I'm so lost in this, I can't see a way out. And one of the things that freaked me out the most was like I had been working with people's emotions for like a long time and nothing I knew to do worked. And, and, And that is actually what often happens. There is nothing that you can do. When you are in that much pain, whether it be through grief or loss or, or the breakdown of any sort of security that you have around you, there actually is nothing that you can do. And so don't try to do anything. Just be in it. Just know that it will pass. Allow the pain to move through your body, but know that if you see it as this incredible opportunity to move into your true self, into your, this innate state of more wisdom and more confidence, just keep reminding yourself of that and do something to stop the thinking because it's the thoughts that create the suffering. Um, like I said, I learned to prayer. I rang people. Um, I tried to meditate. But if you've ever been in that situation, you know you can't meditate. Um, you just like, I think it's this acceptance that when we have trauma like this, there is nothing we can do. And that is a really, really, really challenging place to sit for most human beings, especially most women who do things, right? We do things, we fix things, we make things work, and yet we can't make that work. We've got to completely let go. And I think that would be the one thing that I would say, you know, allow yourself that convalescent period, you know, because you are going to learn about yourself. And, like, I'm so grateful for that now, not only because of that realisation of, wow, this was like the best things that ever happened to me, but also because when I work with people, I know what it feels like now. I had never felt that before in my life. So when someone comes to me with that pain, I totally know what it feels like. I know how you just cannot see a way of moving on. You know, you can't see. Mm. It's very um, common, actually, and there's many women I've interviewed on this podcast who have been through an experience such as a, a, a sort of burnout, emotional breakdown, um, moving countries and not knowing anybody. And at the time, you're, you're right, it's painful. But they look back and say, that was such a good experience in my life because I've learned so much about myself. I've been able to change so much about myself. I think it's just very difficult when you're in it to mm. know that it will end. But thank you for those words mm. and that reassurance that 
It does. And you, and you don't want to hear that either, do you? Like if you're, if someone had said to me, oh, it will end, I'd go, wow, you know, you don't want to hear that because you're like, you don't know how painful this feels. But it's just validating yourself, right? It's like, well, why wouldn't I feel pain? You know, I, I did that a lot. I went, why wouldn't I feel betrayed? Why wouldn't I feel like I'm going to die? Why wouldn't I feel like that? So I was on board with my emotions. I wasn't resisting them in any way. I was going, of course, I'm going to feel like this. And it's okay for me to feel like this because why wouldn't I after all this time, you know, like after all the thoughts and beliefs that I held, why wouldn't I feel completely like I'd been evicted from my house in the middle of the night without a bag, without my toothbrush? I was just out. So, of course, I'm going to feel like that. And I think we resist our feelings rather than go, wow, thank you. You're actually an expression of of what's true about this situation. And why do you think people do resist talking about emotions? It's very common to say, how are you doing? But then they don't want to know. Why do people resist talking about their feelings? Oh, it's so interesting. I actually think this is one of the things that is part of an emotion education. I think it's because we haven't been given the way to like say somebody says to you, you say, how are you doing? They go, oh, look, I've just, you know, um, I've just lost my partner or I've just found out I've got cancer or I've just had a breakup. And we all go, oh, my God, that must be so bad, you know, like, and it's almost like we, oh, you know, like we, our whole body goes, oh, how do I, how do I respond to that? And the only way to respond is by going, oh, you know, accompany them on their journey. We don't have to fix it. Our mind will give us, you know, oh, you should do this or you should fix this because that's what the mind does. The mind's job is to find a solution and to try and work a way out. But with our emotions, we need to work differently because this is not a mind thing, it's a feeling thing. So people feel really heard and understood and seen when you can accompany them in their emotion and say things like, oh, wow, that must be really hard for you. Or I've felt things like that before and I know it's really tough. You know, like you don't have to give anybody a solution, but just by hearing them and accompanying them in their pain, they can accept themselves too. Like they feel validated and there's so much power in that. Like I cannot tell you that is so simple and our mind goes, oh, surely you've got to do more than that. But the simplicity of it is, is when you do that and you hear somebody and you accept them where they're at and you accompany them, they can accept themselves and they can allow what's happening to them. And as soon as you allow what's happening to you, you can release it. And why are women better at, well, why, I suppose, why are they more emotional? And I don't mean that in the negative sense. Mm-hmm. And why are they better at sharing their emotions? Do you know, I have this um, thought about head and heart. I think that our, our hearts um, in general, for many of us, have been shut down. We've had experiences as children that were incredibly painful. And because we weren't given the tools or because our parents didn't really know how to allow us to just be in that moment and allow it to be there without trying to fix it for us or give us a solution or whatever or just ignore us, you know, often our parents had no emotional skills so we just had to deal with this pain ourselves and try and figure it out. I think what we did is we took the feeling experience we were having and we jumped into our head to try and work it out and tried to get out of it and try to strategize. Now, as soon as we do that, we stop the natural feeling process. 
We're a living thing and living things feel. Anything that's alive feels. And when we have a feeling response to our environment, we grow. Except humans. Humans are living things that have a feeling response, like a sense response. But rather than using it to grow and to learn more about ourselves, we jump into our head and we try and figure it out or we try and have a solution or we think about what's wrong with us or we we shame ourselves for feeling that or we change things so we don't feel like that. We're not actually taught to have a feeling and just allow it to be and use it to learn us about ourselves, to stay in that feeling realm. So over time, we become so uncomfortable with the vulnerability because we build up this emotional charge. So for me, like this, this event that occurred to me when my dad started having an affair when I was six, as a child, I took that on as I'm not good enough. I was abandoned as a six-year-old by my father, who I did originally feel very connected to. All of a sudden, he completely disconnected. Now, over time, every time I felt a similar feeling when I was left out of a group at school or when I wasn't invited to a party or when a boy didn't like me when I liked him as much, all of those feelings that I never allowed to process, they added to that original pain and my body stored that emotion. So over time, when I was 30 whatever, or 25, whatever it is, you know, over time, the stored emotion builds up. So it becomes harder and harder for us to feel it because the charge in that feeling of being abandoned or not good enough, it's not just from this moment and this one experience and this one event. All the other events where I felt that same feeling are still being held in my body. And that's why over time, and you probably know this, you know, over time, sometimes you can have this reaction to something and people go, oh, that was a little bit, you know, extreme for what happened. But it's because you're not reacting to this moment. It's because we're not taught that all of this emotion that we haven't processed and released from our body is stored there. And so when one event activates that same feeling, every other single moment in time that we've had that same feeling, it all comes to land right now in this moment and it can express, right? And so we feel out of control. We, you know, there's all this stuff that happens as a result of that. But to answer your question, I think we feel so vulnerable at that point that it's very hard for us to be in that place without the skills and without the words and without the tools and, and even without the person standing opposite us that can support us in that. So now you um, work with mums mainly around giving them the skills, tools, the language to support their teenage daughters. And I know it's not just one thing that you do. You've got a lot of roles in your portfolio. But how did you really start to niche on parents and teen daughters? Mm. Um, you know, it's really interesting. And, and I'm sure that um, you've probably had other women talking about this, but uh, like I know, I'm sure that most of your audience can relate to this. You know, as women, we're like out there doing our thing, wanting, knowing that we're doing the right thing, but it's almost like until we come into this perfect alignment with the expression of what we're here to do, it's like nothing sort of works quite right. You know, it works, but it's not, it's just not quite right. And so I was working with a lot of women and, you know, I was doing videos and all this sort of stuff and I love it. I love working with people. And, you know, I thought, wow, how am I, because there's a lot of white noise out there. I thought, no, there's something that I'm missing in this whole process. And 
I just started, I actually got a mentor at one stage who's a friend of mine that's a very successful businesswoman. And I said, I just want to bounce some ideas off you. And, and she said, well, why don't you target, like why don't you just target one group of people? And, and for me, mothers, oh, like mothering, when you think about mothering, like there's the earth mother that gives us substance. There's the earth mother that gives us breath and life and the abundance. And it's like the mother's role not not as um, um not just in this physical body, like our role as nurturer, as guide, as this wise guide that we can be, because we are the closest thing to our children. We are the closest thing to our children, full stop, right? Like we are what has raised them, that we've been there for them all this time. So for me, it made such perfect sense that if I can show mums how to get back into this state of emotional empowerment so that they can step into this emerging process with their daughters. Their daughters can explore their journey of emerging into a woman in an emotionally powerful way themselves. Because it's not actually about what we do. It's about the state of being we're in while we're doing it. That is what speaks volumes to our child. That is what brings us to the outcomes that we really want. When I'm trying to control things by doing things a certain way or if I believe I, you know, I speak to a lot of mums that go, well, I have to do something, don't I? And I go, well, if you launch your next action from that place, it's not going to be the outcome that you want. You're better off to get into your emotionally powerful state, into your inner being, who you really are, and connect on this cohesive level with your daughter. And then you, the two of you, like you'll find things, and this happens to me all the time with my daughter, Things just appear and like, oh, go and do that. And so I go and do that. And then it has these amazing outcomes that I never would have expected, you know, and it's about not being frightened. It's about not having to fix things straight away, you know. So I guess, you know, I do guess, I do, I do think, I don't guess, having a 14-year-old daughter and a 24-year-old daughter has made it very easy for me to go, I actually have a lot of expertise in this you know, and I am speaking about something that I know, you know, I raised my older daughter in from the old paradigm, like up until she was a teenager before I had started this way of being. And um, I sort of raised her a little bit differently anyway, because I saw in her something that was quite special. What I've noticed is how different my 14-year-old is, how much emotional awareness she has, how much she can... um, express herself like she says things to me like you know what mum I think that many of my friends they don't tell their mum stuff because they don't trust them and I said well what do you mean because I'm thinking oh my god the mum doesn't trust the daughter right but she's telling me that the daughters don't trust their mums and I'm like well what do you mean by that she goes well I really trust you to turn up in a place that's not reactive I know that when I tell you something You're not going to go off your head and punish me or make me do something. You're actually going to sit down and we're going to work through what's happening together. And and I know that you will always do that. And I know that if you have a reaction, you'll deal with it and then you'll come and you'll tell me. Like because I say things to her, like she posted something on Instagram the other night and I saw it and I'm like, I said, honey, I'm just having a look at this, you know. And she goes, oh, have you got a feeling about that? And I said, I do have a feeling about that. And she goes, I can totally understand why you have a feeling about that, mum. Let me explain the way I see it, right? And, and they're the sorts of conversations we have. 
And I know that I could say to her, can you take that down? And I have in the past, you know, and she's gone, okay, yeah, I get it. Why do you want me to do that? You know, so, and as long as she doesn't have guidelines because we need to be there, right? We need to be able to give our daughters guidelines. But I think they naturally occur anyway when you have these sorts of, because you're in a state where you're not resisting or reacting or you're not reacting from your child, which is often what happens. Like we feel powerless. And so our not good enough, like I want to be a good mum, so all of that's activated in us. And if I'm operating from that place, it's always going to go a bit pear-shaped. So which emotions do you think are best placed to support mums developing confident girls? I've got a 12-year-old daughter, so on the cusp of being a teenager. Ah, good. What emotions should I be cultivating or being more aware of so that I can help her make that transition and be confident as a teenager growing into a woman? Okay. I wouldn't necessarily say any one emotion. What I would highly recommend is that when things happen and you feel a reaction, because we do, like they will always find the one thing that clashes with our values and that's the thing that they will hang their hat on and push, right, which is great really because that gives you both an opportunity to become closer to each other and to understand each other better. So what I would recommend to all mums as their children grow up is when things happen and they come at you and you feel your emotional reaction, pay attention to it. Pay attention and try in that moment between the event occurring and your reaction, try and pause, just have a little moment of pause. If in that moment you can step into a place of, okay, this is an opportunity, I'm not going to react, and you may have to walk away. You may have to go, I'm not going to deal with this right now. I need to get myself back into a state of feeling emotionally empowered. So you have to deal with your emotional reaction. I found that when I'm reacting, it's not necessarily because of what my daughter's doing. It's because what she has done has activated my feelings of not good enough, which is my unmet emotional need, like that not good enough when I was six when my dad left, you know, that being not good enough, that having to be the best mum, that having to do things right, that's what's being activated. Now, all of that, it's not true, right? It's actually not the reality of what's happening. But because her behaviour is activating in that in me, I'm in that um, state trying to be good enough, trying to make things work, trying to fix things so that I can feel okay about myself again. That is not the state because what I'm then doing is I'm forcing her to step out of her inner being. I'm trying to control the emerging process into something that I think it should be. And so all I'm doing, I might be solving the problem in that moment, but I'm actually just creating a repetitive cycle. She's going to do the same thing, different event. I'm going to have the same reaction, same feelings of powerlessness, same feelings of not good enough. And that's what we want to stop. We we want to put ourselves into a place of cohesion with our daughters, you know, so that the trust that we have for each other is consistently deepening. And the connection is consistently deepening. And that starts with us. It starts with us understanding ourselves emotionally and and where we're coming from. And if we have a reaction that we want to be able to respond with power, and I mean emotional power, inner power, not power as in the ego sense of power, we want to be able to respond 
Because when she feels that, and I know this for myself, when I respond from that place, it is so strong. It is so grounded. It is so, it's knowing. It's just like, this is how it is. She never argues, right? 10 o'clock, you're going to bed. But mum, she looks at me, it's like, okay, I get why. You know, there's no argument. There's no place for her to go into resistance. She doesn't need to go into resistance because I'm in my power and she can feel that and she will align to it. So it's it's really interesting and it's a, it's a, it's a state of growth for both of us. It's not always perfect. We work together. But for, for um, any mum of a daughter, it's like watch yourself first. Watch your feelings. Question them. Investigate them. Why am I having that reaction? You know, what is it about her behaviour that is making me react in this way? Can I just go and just have a little look at that before I come back to my daughter and deal with this? Go away. Write about it. Share with somebody. Get in touch with, oh, actually, this is about me not feeling good enough. So how can I step out of that? How can I make myself feel good enough? And then, and that's a feeling solution again, right? I can't just tell myself, oh, you're good enough. You're good enough. You've done some great things. Look what you've done. You've got a big house. You've got this. You've got that. You've done this. You're a great businesswoman. I can't tell myself that I'm good enough because once again, it's not a feeling, right? I have to feel good enough to replace the not good enough. So what is it that makes me feel good enough? What makes me feel good enough personally, Lisa Jane, I feel really good when I think about my dreams and my passions and when I think about you know, my health and, and the people that love me. And when I think about how much I appreciate the people around me, all of a sudden I'm filling up that space in me that didn't feel good enough five minutes ago with, I am good enough. I totally trust myself in this moment. I trust the flow of life to work through this moment that I'm having with my daughter and bring me to a solution that I didn't even know existed five minutes ago. I trust that. Oh, I'm feeling much better. Now I go and talk to my daughter. And what methodology do you work with your clients through so that they have this great self-awareness and real understanding of their emotions and then helping them work more closely with their daughters? What's that, what is that methodology that you use? Um, I've been developing this for a lot of years, right? So I'd just like you to sort of have this understanding of how hard it is to put a feeling experience into a concept of the head. I've been trying for such a long time. I I do work very intuitively. So it's almost like the more I understand my emotional world, the more my feeling experience in any moment is, is quite expansive. So I can feel what's going on for my clients. And I have an awareness. And like we all have the capacity to do this. The more we open up our feeling experience of life in this moment, the more we can actually interact with our environment and with other people and we get to know we have a feeling around people and things. So I did that for a long time and I started to develop like really specific because it's not just about that. We have to make things practical and actionable. Otherwise, we can't change the way we live because we want to make it a lifestyle. We don't want to make it an additional thing, right, because we already have so many things to do as mums. Like, you know, and if we have a business that we love, we have kids, we have all these things We don't want to have another thing to have to do. What we really want to do is step into a state of being that feels really natural and easy, and then we go about our lives doing what we need to do or what we feel prompted to do. So as I started to develop this, I started to develop these 
things that we could do, practical actions that actually brought us more and more into that state. So I have a whole lot of tools that I use. But over time, and probably more so in the last year, I've developed five keys. And the reason that I've developed five keys is because it's not so much about me showing you how to step into that state, because really that state is individual for every single one of us. Like we are, we are each these magnificent beings. And for each of us, that is, we will come to know our own way of really feeling our true state and our true nature. However, my role can be to help you deal with the things that get in your way of stepping into that. So the five keys that I have are like first one to four. These are the keys that actually can help you deal with the emotional reaction you have or the feeling that you have that's getting in your way of being where you want to be. So it's like, because it, most things are about your feelings, really everything is. If you look at everything, it's about the way you feel about it. Like you don't have enough money. It's not because you don't have enough money. It's because you have a fear of financial insecurity. You could have trillions of dollars and still feel a fear of financial insecurity. So once again, it's about the emotion. And if you see it, everything is about the emotion. So if you have the keys to deal with the emotional reaction that you're feeling, then you naturally come into a more empowered state. So that I'm working with those keys. And this is a, your feeling experience is an evolving process. This is an emerging process. So I fully expect that there's going to be more, like I've just written my first book, but I fully expect there's going to be more because as we expand as beings, as we emotionally evolve, there's always going to be more, you know? So yeah, so these five keys is how I work with people. If I'm working one-on-one, it's intuitive but it's also very, very practical because people need to put things into action. You know, we need to have, we need to be able to apply this to our everyday lives. You know, it, it's easy if, if I said to you, okay, just go to a monastery where there's no pressures. Yeah, sure, easy. We can meditate for a couple of weeks and step into our inner being. But that's not realistic. You know, I don't want to live out there. I want to enjoy life. I want to, you know, and not that that's not enjoyable because I do love doing that. But I want to be in my life. I want to experience the life that I'm living now, but from a more empowered state. I want the keys and the tools and the skills to live my life on life's terms, you know, not to have to escape it to feel okay about myself. So everything I do is very practical. I make sure that when I work with people, they have things that they can do, that they know to do, that they can apply, that they can practice until it becomes a part of their lifestyle very, very naturally. Mm. And do you think there is a difference between confident teenager and confident woman Mm, confident teenager and confident woman in terms of the way we are and our state of living our life and being a certain way in our life it is always emerging I feel that what the confidence that we have can consistently um, expand Like even for me, I feel more and more grounded. I feel more and more power in my body as I live each day and as I practice being true to myself every day. I think that there's a whole lot of things that can happen to us as teenagers where we are learning how to trust ourselves. So for me, the confidence of a teenager is probably about practising the power of being true to ourselves, like for me to give my daughter the capacity to know that she is a magnificent being and that I trust her inner guidance as much as I trust mine. 
and that between those two places, we can both feel more and more self-trust so she can feel more confident in her life. You know, and it's not perfect. You know, she has her issues like most teenagers do because there's a lot of stuff that comes at them. But as a teenager, I think I think the difference would be that as a teenager, I'm building the capacity to step into my true self and the ability to have a relationship with my true self. And I'm learning the communication ability to speak what's true for me, even though my peers might be thinking something different. Like that's a really big thing. And that might take time. You know, that might take a little bit of practice for her to be able to speak her truth. However, if she's doing it as a teenager, by the time she feels fully grounded in this woman's body and she's had those experiences, as she emerges into womanhood, there'll be more of a natural confidence. There'll be an understanding of how to consciously choose a relationship, right? How many women don't consciously choose how to be loved? I mean, I didn't was my little girl that wanted to be loved that chose my partner, not my conscious self. And I, and I hear that all the time. I just like, I think that might be fairly typical for women, some women anyway. But I want more for my daughter than that. I want her to be able to go, you know what, I deserve to be loved in a way that's respectful, that's kind, that's supportive. I deserve to be loved in a way that's nurturing, so that I can be true to myself and I don't have to turn up as something else so that they'll stay loving to me. You know, I deserve to be in a relationship that's not conditional, where I can be free. I want that for my daughter. And she's not going to choose that for herself unless she knows how to really um, meet those needs in herself so she can feel empowered enough to make those choices. You mentioned earlier you have a book. Mm. Is that released yet? Um, can people <gasps> get hold of it? Oh, it's so exciting. Um, the um, Today I'm actually seeing the final draft of the book. So by next week the e-copy will be available. So probably by the time this podcast is aired it should be available. Um, there will be paperbacks available too. It's called The Emotionally Powerful Mother and it's the five keys of transformative, transformative mother-daughter relationships. So I go through my keys in that and some of the strategies that I've used as well. So because we do need some tools, right, when you have these moments, like what can you do? And so there are things that I've done with my daughter, like um, different uh, ways of using even pen and paper when I'm in a moment, things that I've done that really work to bring us together to create a solution that's empowering for both of us. Really simple strategies um, because we need these things. We're not taught these things as a mum, right? And, and we know that our role is so crucial. So the whole book is about that. And it's a really simple book to read. It's like, it's not very thick. I've actually drawn really quirky diagrams because I, here's me, like I said before, my challenge has always been to put a feeling experience into a concept so people can understand it. And that is sometimes really hard because I can feel things. I know things. How can I put words around that? so that it lands on you and you go, yeah, I get exactly what she means. And one of the things I did when I started to write this book, it's like, wow, I want, I want to share this feeling that I'm having this experience with mothers so that they can get this and they can do it for themselves. And I thought, oh, I'm just going to draw a diagram. And, like, I'm not the world's best author. So there's these, like, really cute little stick figures, but I actually created an emotion around them so you can feel what I'm talking about when I'm sharing. And I'm like, oh, this is just so quirky. And I, I sort of like, I checked it out with people. I said, oh, I don't know if I'm quite game enough to put these out in the world. And people are just going, yes, like this actually shows 
what you're talking about. And I sort of feel like it has to be easy. It has to be simple because we are busy. Like we don't want to work through this great big thick book of thousands of words. We want to read the basics, know the basics and be able to apply it straight away. So that's essentially what it's done. And I'm quite proud of it. Well, congratulations. Writing a book is not an, not a small task for sure. So where can people get hold of this book? Where can they find it to buy it? You can find it at my website, www.iamlisajane. That's I-A-M-L-I-S-A-J-A-Y-N-E.com. It will also be available on Amazon or Kindle. And I would love to offer people listening today, and thank you so much for listening to this, and I really hope that some of the things I've shared have helped all of you. Um, And I'd love to give you, there's a free download of one of the chapters on my website. So please go and read the, the My Emotional Journey. There's like this one chapter that explains a lot of what I've talked about today um, because I'm sure that you'll get something out of it and it's free. Have a read. Thank you. So in the um, the final few minutes of the podcast, and I ask this of all my guests, what's the one action that my listeners can take away and act on that will help them build confidence either for themselves or for their daughters? Mm. The one thing that I think um, it just brings so much relief, if in every moment you see it as an opportunity and you go, okay, this is actually, there's something in this for me because both you and your daughter are in this field, if you want to call it a field, in this moment. It's not just about her. There are a lot of emotional um, things that you're holding onto that are being projected onto this experience that if you take a moment and actually just step back a little bit from the interaction that you're in, you can grow and you can become a more magnificent mother than what you are already. And so the one takeaway that I would just love to recommend that you do is to start paying attention to that moment when something happens in your life. Tell yourself, hang on a minute, I'm not going to react right now. I'm just going to see this as an opportunity. What am I feeling? You know, oh, I feel powerless. Why am I feeling powerless? What is this about? How can I step back into feeling more empowered in this moment? And and just give yourself that time to validate, of course, you're going to feel powerless. Of course, it's going to create a reaction. But you don't have to share that with your daughter because every time you share a reaction with your daughter, you undermine trust and you undermine the connection and you create division. So all I'm recommending is that in that moment, you take a step back, dissolve your own or diffuse your emotional charge by writing, by validating, why wouldn't I feel like that? It's okay to feel like this. I'm just going to be with this feeling for a minute. I'm going to write something about it. I might come back to it later, but get yourself into a state where you're feeling more empowered in this moment. See it as an opportunity and then come back to your daughter and deal with it from that place. Because if you consistently remember, the events don't matter. It doesn't matter really what happens as a result of this event. What really matters, what is going to matter all of your life is how much you love each other and how much you are connected That is the only thing that lasts until the day you die. So make that the priority. If you make the fact that she comes home because she's been vaping the priority and you enforce your will upon that or you deal with that in a way that's reactive, then you're you're foregoing the love and the connection 
that you can actually deepen in this moment. You always have a choice to either deepen the love and the trust and the connection or react to this moment. So please, 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 for your daughter's sake, because she is going to learn from you. She's going to be empowered every time you empower yourself not to react emotionally, but you empower yourself to to place your connection and your love of each other first. She will be empowered to do the same in all of her relationships. And I fully believe that that is what will change our world. Lovely. Thank you. I could probably learn a lot about not reacting (laughs) to um, my daughter. Um, So Lisa Jane, thank you so much for joining me today on Women in Confidence. You've shared so much and and thank you for your honesty and for your generosity in sharing all your helpful hints and tips about not only being a confident woman but about raising confident teenage girls so thank you very much um for you your are time so today. welcome Vanessa thank you so much for having me and giving you an, giving me an opportunity to share thank you so much for listening to women in confidence and I hope you enjoyed it if you did then please like it share it comment on it and if you want to sponsor it If you'd like to take part in my podcast or know somebody who would make a perfect guest, then please email me on contact at vanessa-murphy.com. That's contact at vanessa-murphy.com. Until next time.